Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go. everybody to episode 89 of the green light podcast poc ian and on this episode we are joined by steve d'agostino founder of dags basketball and one of the best trainers out there right now steve thank you for joining the podcast man what's up thanks for having me guys i'm excited yeah i'm excited as well um let's jump into it man listen uh if you grew up in the social media era would you have gone d1 Oh my God, dude, probably not. To be honest with you, like I always say, I like found this term a couple months ago and I think it's like, it, it works really well. Like nobody was looking for me out of high school. You know, I was, I was 5'11", 135 pounds. So like, even- I can relate, even, I can relate. You know, it's like, <laughs> even now. So I listen, I, I try and relay that that same message to the parents. Um and let things happen organically with their kids. So you can only control how you play when you're on the court, how you produce, and then whatever school, if you're lucky enough that you're good enough to play in college and a school likes you, it's like wherever it falls, instead of now, like there's a lot of manipulating, right? Like people trying to get to a certain level and, oh, I got a friend here or a coaching connection here. And when you have to do that type of stuff, like, yeah, if you're a stud, it works out, but for everybody else, that's why you see so many transfers. So Probably not to answer your question. <laughs> Paul always starts out with these initial questions that are just yeah, uh, I like it. Really hot topic. But the story goes, I know you sent your highlight tape and your info to every school in any 10 and College of St. Rose, only school to offer you a scholarship. How big of, of that was the chip on your shoulder when you played against those other schools in, in the conference once you got there? Yeah, I think about that a lot because that's like the point everybody brings up when, when they talk about that, like having a chip on your shoulder. And uh, I, I just think it's more so like by nature, I was competitive. I wanted to prove people wrong, but even more so, I wanted to prove the people who believed in me right. So like, so Coach Bury at St. Rose took a chance on me and I wanted to do everything in my power to prove that I could play at that level, excel at that level so that, you know, I did right by him. So it was more so that, and, and, and if you need like schools to not like you to have a chip on your shoulder, then something's up anyway. Like you naturally have that in you. So any type of adversity, you're like, I'm going to face this head on and I'm going to come out on top. So I think it was more so like that. Totally. And, and you end up having an, an incredible college career and a two-time MVP of the NE 10 conference. Um, two-time first-team All-American, two-time first-team academic All-American. Um, really, that, that was that total package. And, and you went on to play professionally for a number of years. What were one or two things that you really attribute your success to um, for the college side, professional side, and, and really building um, such a great basketball career? Um, I think uh, the, a phrase that I use with our players now is that if you can make yourself better, you're valuable, right? So if you work hard, you understand how to make yourself better. Like there's not a ton of players that can do that on their own, especially in today's game. But if you can make everybody else around you better, 
you're invaluable. And so I think one of my best attributes is I made everybody else around me better, not only physically by delivering the ball on time, on target, I could control the pace of the game, but also mentally as well too. So um, just making sure that you're picking your teammates up that when, you know, I was the guy who I could throw you a perfect pass. that goes through your hands. I'm like, yo, my bad. Let's go. Let's get back on defense. You know, like once you establish, at least for me, once I established that I wasn't coming out of the game, I was playing 30, 35 minutes. Who cares who gets the blame? You might as well give it to me. Cause I'm not coming out of the game anyway. You know what I mean? So, totally. um, I think, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why, um, you know, there were, were players in the conference that had more points than me and stuff like that. But I think most of the coaches understood that, um, you know, we maybe didn't have all the pieces that everybody else had, but we were playing at a high level and I was the leader of that team. So I think, and it carried on to when I was playing professionally as well, too. Support for the green light podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code GREENLIGHT at manscaped.com. Listen, fellas, we've all been there. We've tried to trim down there using a million different things. Stop it. Go with Manscaped. It's the easiest one. Your balls will thank you. Again, 20% off, free shipping with the code green light at manscaped.com. So over the last decade, uh, we've seen the rise of the, you know, quote unquote, social media trainer, right? Um, first question is, what are your thoughts on the current state of basketball development in the States? We won't, we won't include overseas. Yeah. Um, I, listen, players have never been more skilled. Um, I truly believe that. I truly believe that like the opportunities that a lot of players have um, at an early age to work with really, really good coaches. Now, whether that's a basketball trainer, whether it's like, like there's a lot of really good youth coaches out there. Um, a lot of good parents who played that coach their sons or daughters, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade team that are being coached the right way. And I see that all the time, at least in my area. So the ones that are fortunate enough to go to the right people with the right perspective that are teaching them the right things. Um, you know, they're lucky. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that, you know, there's no regulation in the space. So anybody could just pop up and, and listen, you can do good drills. Like you can understand how to, you know, help a kid get better at dribbling and part of right. Your best ability is availability. So part of it is if you're there and you're, you're putting in the time with the kids, that's great. But when you talk about like maximizing player development, being efficient, teaching them the right things, giving them the right perspective um, so they're not chasing the wrong things or wasting their time. I think those guys, at least on the training side, are few and, or women are few and far between. Um, I try not to worry about it. I always say this same thing as a player, like, you know, okay, I was playing at, you know, the College of St. Rose. What do I care if one of my opponent's teams are doing like stuff that I don't think is good. Like that benefits me. So if I know that there's guys going to a trainer or girls going to a trainer that they're not getting the most out of it, that's better for my players. You know, I, I can't control what other people do. I can only control what I do in my gym. Um, and I think, although it evolves year to year, day to day, 
I think we're doing the right things and we're giving the kids the right perspective. So I think we're on the right path. I'm totally. And one of the biggest things that stuck out to me, I mean, looking at um, your site and, and it was and the workout approach dominating the most rep repetitive game situations. How important is that for the development of young players? It's not just a triple combo, dribble move, stand set shot, actually replicating those game situations, playing at game speed. Yeah, I think it's a progression, right? They have to have the ability to to, uh, to do this skill, right? You got to be able to finish layups. You got to be able to shoot the basketball. But once we get in, once we get past that, you got to be able to do it against the defender and in a game. So I find a good balance between reps and and like live situations. It's funny. I was speaking at a coach's clinic in New Haven, and the women's strength and conditioning coach at for UConn's uh, women's basketball was there. And she had been with Bill Sell for like 16 years at Kansas. And she was talking about how, you know, they got all this equipment and how they assess players. And so they would assess players in the weight room. And uh, I think like Frank Mason, right, was one of them she was talking about who was innately strong, like bench press, deadlift, like all that stuff. So they didn't do that with him. He had other things that he needed to, to work on in order to balance his body. He needed to assess all of his weaknesses in order to round out as a player. And so like, not that we only work on weaknesses, but I think, I think what happens with the social media trainers is they say that kid is really good at X. We're going to do that because it's going to look best on camera when really like the, the workout should be ugly. I'm a big believer in saying all that and you, you got to make your strengths, your strengths. So like, that's what we're doing first of all, but we need to put them in an atmosphere where they're still facing adversity within their strengths so that they get even better, you know? So when you talk about, I think it's a good segue, right. To that social media stuff. Like you got a guy that shoots it. Well, yeah. Put him in shooting drills. He's going to look great. You're going to look great, but is it helping him make shots against the defender? Is he finding space better? Right. Is he getting his shot off quicker? So those are the things that we try to focus on. Um, quick aside, you mentioned New Haven. What pizza did you get while you were there? Oh, my God, <laughs> man. Listen, I'll tell you this. So I've been gluten free for like three years, dairy free, gluten free. And the one thing that I would give it all up for is pizza. Yep. So going there, I needed to steer clear of everything. Otherwise, it would have been a disaster. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. Good Fair for enough. You. Good for you. I mean, that's yeah. the, I don't know if I could do, I feel like I would just cheat on with pizza though. Like oh my God. the only thing I, I feel like that's what I would do. I don't know. If I, I, I think I'm at a point now where like, if I did have a slice of pizza, I'd literally like explode. So I think that's like <laughs> the only thing that's holding me back. Oh man. Uh, so not to segue away from the, the important topic of, of pizza there, but I think one of the things in your background, I think probably I'm assuming you would say one of probably the, your, your biggest achievements has been working with USA basketball. How did that opportunity come up and, and have, what is your role within USA basketball? Yeah. So it's, it's actually interesting. So I was doing a clinic here in New York um, for the city rocks, which is the Nike AU team up here. Um, they hold like a top 24 event. They try to invite like the top players in the uh, in New York in, in high school and so I was running that for Jim Hart and we had like a FIBA three on three um, segment, which I'm huge in a three on three. We implemented in all of our stuff. And Chad Babel, who, who runs made hoops is a Nike guy was there, saw it. He put in a good word for me with Samson Coyote, who was uh, the head of the junior national team at the time. 
And so I had a call with Samson and they, they're not big into the social media stuff. So he reiterated to me like a million times, like we can try this, but if there's any of that trainer BS that's going on, like we're going to, we're going to cut it. And I'm like, yo, I'm not, I go, you can take my phone. Uh, I just want to help. You know, I don't care. So they invited me out to the under 18 trials with Bill Self. I would just happen to be in the room. I didn't have an official title. And they were talking about helping the players with the FIBA rule of like back then you couldn't take a step before you dribbled. It would, they'd call it a travel. And so Bill Self was talking about how they went when they went on their last tour, they got called for a million travels over in Europe. And I just, you know, I, I played there. So I just kind of interjected and said, here's the rule. Here's how you teach it. And Bill Self was like, all right, cool you'll run that segment today for 15 minutes. And I was like, all right. And so I'm like walking out and Samson's like, I guess you're like running part of practice. I'm like, all right, I got it. So I did a good job. They liked it. And so now um, the junior national team has basically a staff of, I I think it's got to be like 12 coaches now, high school coaches. Um, Phil Beckner, who's Dane Lillard's trainer, was the only other trainer on there. Um, But really good group of coaches that are really uh, humble and hungry to learn and help kids. You know, they always say, we don't want anything from the kids. We just want every, everything for them. Um, and it may be the only place in like some of these elite athletes life where that's true. So it's been a great experience. I'm, I'm excited to get back on the court because we haven't been on the court for like a year because of COVID. So I'm excited to get back on the court and, and you know, keep learning and keep working. Oh, gotcha. Bob. No, and, and how much, I mean, when you are working with those guys individually and you've got a big group of guys within that select group, how much do you have to adjust your individual training specific to such a wide roster of guys? You've got, I know in that that select roster, you're a guy like Cole Anthony that plays a lot different from a Joe Girard or a Matthew Hurt that's a lot different from a Hunter Dickinson. How how much do you have to shift what you do when you're working with them um, based on the type of player, the type of game they kind of already have? Yeah, luckily, uh, for what I do back here in New York, we always get that. So so we don't do a ton of like individual training unless it's with like our NBA and college guys. So I'm used to having groups of, you know, you got some bigs, you got some guards, you got different types of guards and all that. And luckily in that USA basketball setting, uh, most of it is team driven. So you're doing three on three shooting where it doesn't matter if you have three guards, you know, two bigs, one guard you know, we're running uh, team actions out of it. So um, it's not that big of a a difference. The one thing that is cool is like the last time we were together, um, we had like breakout skill sessions that were optional that the players could come to. So like Phil Beckner was doing shooting. I was doing finishing. Um, We had another, you know, session going on too, but it didn't matter. Like if you were a big and you wanted to go shooting or you wanted to do finishing, like everybody was all grouped together. So um, they preach versatility. So we're doing a lot of the same stuff, no matter what position you are. Yeah. At this point, you got to be able to do it at all. Right. Which was yeah. so, so different than our, up, you know, our, uh, yeah. when we were coming up, I mean, it was, it was actually okay for you to be able to do one thing. Well, you know, whether yeah. you're a shooter or a rebounder, or you were just a big guy or whatever it was. So it's so different. Um, yeah. Based on the current NCAA recruiting calendar, do you think the coaches involved with USA basketball, whether it's Bayheim or Jay Wright or coach, you know, when coach K was the coach, do you think they have an unfair recruiting advantage um, because they get to be with these players way more than any other coach would? Yeah. I mean that, I think that only really applies for the under 19 team um, where it's like those seniors 
um, those seniors in high school and then it's freshmen in college. So, I mean, the answer is obviously yes. I mean, they're around the guys, whether that coach, you know, it, it depends on the coach too, right? Like how hard they're going to push are the high school guys already committed. Um, but listen, you want to get into NCAA stuff <laughs> compared to the other stuff that's going on. That's like, that's like nothing, you know? Um, yeah, so. I mean, there was a, there was a big pushback. I remember within just like the college basketball community when coach K took it uh, yeah. and he got some flack and now look, I'm a Duke fan, so I could care less. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, I mean, it is what it is, right. There's, it's osmosis. Like you're going to be around some guys. You're going to get some guys like. Exactly. And like, you know, coach K already had, had the juice behind him before he took that USA basketball, you know, job. So, you know, like I said, there's NCAA has got enough issues to worry about for them to be, that's why it's so funny for them to be worried about that. Like, you know, there's a million other things you could be worried about. Yeah, seriously. And, and while on that topic too, I know with pop ending his tenure as, as the head coach of the, of the men's national team, there's been discussion about, the coaching structure. And if we should continue with NBA current NBA head coaches, you revert to a college coach like coach K or even shift to a structure. I've seen thrown out there like international soccer, where it's being the head coach of the national team is just a full-time job. Um, I know Steve Kerr is kind of seen as the current favorite. Are, are you a fan of the current structure that's been set up? And, and I think who would be some ideal candidates in your mind to replace pop? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously Sean Ford and, and, uh, and those guys who, who run the, uh, the national team, you know, they know way better than I do. So whatever structure they want to rock with, I, I'm rocking with too. Um, I, you know, I, I like having a college coach there that, that can really relate to the players. Um, the, the FIBA game is, is a lot like college basketball um, where it can be ugly. It can be physical. Um, so, you know, and, and, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. We could go down again, that, like that <laughs> rabbit hole, but you know, I would, Jay Wright would be great because you need someone that connects with the players. Like I just keep going back to like Larry Brown when he was the coach, like Larry Brown, great coach, but it, it was a disaster. Yeah. You know, it may almost be like with some of the NBA coaches, there's too much. They're playing against each other. You know, they know everybody. It, it's like almost like too much where to get a college guy in there that's locked in the game's similar to FIBA. Um, you're creating new relationships. Um, but even more so than that, we need our best players to play. You know, I, it's just funny when they were losing games and everyone's like, oh, my God, like, dude, we didn't have four or five of our best players. Thank God Kevin Durant played because if he didn't play, who knew what was going to happen? Who knew what was going to happen? So that's the bigger issue is, is we're not, once you take, if you take out our top five, it's not that much of a difference, especially if you're playing FIBA rules. So that's the bigger thing. We need our guys. And obviously it was a shortened season, so I get it. So, you know, and they got it done anyway. So, you know. Yeah, the social media was obnoxious for that like seven to ten day period. It's like it's yeah. an exhibition game. We lost everybody was freaking out. I was like, guys, would you guys relax? Yeah, uh, exactly. Okay, I want to get your thoughts on NIL. Obviously, uh, kind of landmark decision that finally went through, probably a decade or even more uh, overdue. Um, how do you think it has gone thus far? Because again, we have preached this on this podcast. This is not about. Um, equity you know not everyone's going to get the same thing this is a you're opening yourself up to the free market and the market is going to tell you 
right now what you're worth, right? And I think a lot of it, maybe 90% of the athletes out there are seeing that. Like, well, damn, I'm only, my Instagram's only worth 500 a post. I thought I was going to get 50,000. Like, yeah. what happened? So yeah. I want to see two things. One, how has what are your thoughts on how it's gone so far? Are you surprised or, you know, is that what you thought was going to happen? And then two, do you see this creeping into high school at a national level? Like, because it's different state by state. So th- those are the two. Yeah. So there's a lot there. So, uh, one, I think it's going, you know, it's actually going pretty good considering they like just threw it in right before the school year. And so I think it's going pretty well. I think it's like hilarious. I love it when, uh, you know, all these, uh, when, when the rule first hit and I saw all these, all these players on like, uh, Instagram, Twitter, all this, they were like, let's go. And I'm like, yo, your feed isn't worth that much. Like, (laughs) like, like, you know, you think you're going to be worth way more, but it is, listen, they need to be paid something. Uh, I think though, for the teams, like you're going to get a Kentucky who, you know, you're going to get a car dealership. That's going to say, Hey, we're going to throw this guy a million bucks or, you know, whatever it is. And it is, a it'll be a crazy unfair recruiting advantage um, to be able to pay somebody through a third party, a crazy amount of money. You know, uh, as far as it goes with high school uh, players, I struggle with this. So I'm obviously with some of the best players in the country at USA Basketball. We hold them accountable, like like nowhere I've ever seen, because at the end of the day, we're there for them. We need them to get better. So if we're not holding them accountable, then I don't even know what we're doing there. Right. So we go through like all this where you got to be on time or you sit out, you know, you're, you're, you know, agreeing to play different positions. You're being a good teammate, all this good stuff. But then they go to like AAU and, and prep school or high school, whatever it is. And like, we had a, uh, uh, a uh, AAU tournament up here. Amani Bates came. They must, Amani Bates was the tournament. So like, so he's not getting any dollars for that where everybody at the tournament is taking hundreds of pictures with him. You don't think he should without him. Yeah. They're still going to make money, but it's not the same tournament, you know? So I don't know what happens with that. Like, are these players and their teams going to get smart enough to be like, Hey, yeah, we'll go to your tournament, but you're going to give us $10,000. You know, I know that happens already uh, with some of the, with some of the shoot teams, but like legitimately do it, you know? So I don't know. I, I struggle with that. And then you sit there. And so, so that's my next thing is, okay. If these high school kids going out on the AAU circuit are the stars, they're the reason that people are coming through the doors. You're charging 40 bucks a person. You're raking in money. How do you hold that person accountable? You wouldn't have been able to tell me anything at 17 or 16. You know what I mean? So, so it's a bigger issue um, where I think when you pay these players, like, like in college, now that it's a free market, you're not getting what you're worth. That's on you, my boy, you know, that's on you. So you got to figure it out. And there's going to be a lot of teams where the top players getting a ton of money and, the third guy or the fourth guy or girl isn't really getting anything. So, you know, especially as people, go ahead. I I wonder if in high school we could, if, if somehow there's a rule and and everyone can basically profit off their own NIL, um, which I'm right there with you. I kind of struggle with it. I don't know what the right answer is, but what if the answer is all that money isn't, you can't touch it until you graduate high school. 
or until you basically deem yourself ineligible, like, Hey, you know, I, you know, whatever it is, you go to, you decide to yeah. go to school or you, tra- I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Um, maybe you just can't touch it until then. I don't know. It'd be like, I know, no, it's a good point. I just struggle with that whole thing. Like, are they doing the same thing with kid actors? Not good. Yeah, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, so, okay, they're the star of the show, but then you can't touch the money. So you can go make us money, but then you can't touch, you know, so it just goes into like a whole different like rabbit hole. It's just, listen, if, if they want to get paid, pay them. If they're, if they're the stars of the tournament, pay them. I, that's my thing, you know? So, and then let everything shake out how it's going to shake out because a lot of these guys or girls, um, you know, they're earning potential is the highest when they're like a senior in high school into their college career. So like, you know, I mean, I see guys all the time cause I still follow European basketball. I mean, you have players that are really good college players that play at really good schools at their first contract is $1,500 a month overseas. And you're sitting there and you're like, wait a second, you could literally uh, in college make more than that. Yep. You could literally make more than that, you know? So I don't know. I- I'm excited to see how it shakes out. You know, I know that there's a lot of people making a lot of money off of other people. And it'd be nice to see that whole market kind of balance out. Yep. 100%. Um, yeah. All right. Shifting gears, you put out a video maybe a week or two ago, but I wanted to talk to you about it, about the, it was a concept of self-belief. Um, and I love the way you put it because I could not agree more. It, it seems like a simple concept. Like, yeah, I believe in myself. Like, of course I do. Um but my question is specifically when tough times come about, whether that's like you're in a shooting slump or something way more serious in life, right? When tough yeah. things happen, you don't get the job or whatever it is. What are actionable items that you have done, right? Because it's different for everybody. But when, when, self, when you were doubting yourself, what did you yeah. go back to? What are some actionable items that people can do? And maybe we focus on basketball because that's easy, but like, it, it's, it seems simple, but it's not to remain very self-confident during tough times. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and part of it too, is like, you're never going to always be like, like super self-confident. So I think for me, I had a really good support system between my brother who uh, played at Iona college and then was a, a college basketball coach for a handful of years too. my family you know, my wife and I have, have been together since freshman year of college. She actually told me that I wasn't going to play as a freshman, but I ended up starting 30 games. So she was kind of wrong. That's that shit, uh, That's that shit. Right. So, uh, so, you know, just having a, a strong support system is number one so that they can talk you, you know, uh, down from all your crazy thoughts. And I think for me, I've, I've found over the last couple of years is, simple wins. So going back to your, your fundamentals, your foundation, what built you up in the first place for me is where you go back to, right? It's not, Oh crap, this bad things happened or this adversity hits. Let me try something crazy. It's let me go back to my foundation. Let me build it stronger. Let me take another swing at it. So I think that's, um, I think for me, that's what's helped me. The other thing I think about with that, with belief, and you want to see like how, um, how much belief can help. So not only your own self-belief, but also, you know, you believing in somebody else and letting them know that you believe in them, how much that can help. Think about all of the college coaches' sons who have had great college careers. So like Buddy Beheim, right? Yeah. 
Who else is giving Buddy Beheim that green of a light? <laughs> no. I don't know. Nobody. But look what it did for him. He's literally yeah. like first round mock draft. So like, what if some of these coaches or leaders believed in that person like that was their son or daughter? Think about what that would do for them. You know, you see, and you see it all the time. And yeah, obviously college coaches, kids are, are pretty good to begin with, but I think a lot of them outperform the expectation or their physical ability because of that belief that they know that the coach trusts them, you know? So I think about that too, all the time with belief. Yeah. It's amazing how many times you'll be in a room with coach college coaches specifically these are kids they recruited and like maybe uh, six months into the, they're not having a good year, whatever it is. And it's just like, yeah, no, we got to get rid of them. <laughs> it's Especially now. Yo, it's crazy. Yo, that's, that's why too. I listen, I could talk about this all night. <laughs> I, I can't stand when colleges preach family. I can't stand it. <laughs> I can't stand it. And maybe there's a 5% of them that actually do it, that believe it, that, that really follow through with the kids. But Yo, you're, I, I would hope like, like your pops isn't leaving if he gets another offer for, for more money, you know, like it's not a family. Like you're not asking people to leave after one year if you're a family, you know? So I, I can't, I actually can't stand that. Yeah. How, how do, in on that, how do we correct that? I mean, I feel like at this point, whether you're gonna say transfer portal, whether you're gonna say schools be poached and things, how how do we fix? I, I don't want to say it's a it's a poor culture, but there's definitely been a shift. What, what do you see as the solution for that? You don't. There is no solution. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, the whole job for these college coaches is you get the best players in the door. Yeah, you got to build a great culture, but a lot of them are are you know you need the players to build the culture. You can have the best culture in the world. You don't have the players, you're not going to win. You know, so so these college coaches are fast talkers. They're really, really good at charming people. Um, some of them do do it the right way. So I don't want to group everybody in that. But I mean, I can't tell you my buddy's a college coach and I can't tell you the amount of times where like I'll send him a clip of, you know, a coach doing something, you know, like cool behind the scenes or whatever. And I'm like, yo, this is actually really good. And he's like, yeah, I, I love it. He does a great job. He's also one of the biggest cheaters in college basketball. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you, hey, you pick and choose. I'm going to rock with him on this because this is a good culture piece, you know? So you legitimately have to pick and choose like, okay, what's important to you, you know? And, and so I don't know. Right, I, I, I got on one that, that uh, I, I like to live in, um, that you, you know, just a fake world when I create yeah, solutions I love it. And this, this yeah. fake world solution, but here's one starting in, you can't do it right now. So starting in 2023, any college coach that's hired gets a seven year deal, no matter the division, no matter where you're at seven years, that's it. Yeah. That's number one. Cause you can't, you can't build anything in four years. You can't build anything in five. Yeah. I think you can barely do it in seven. So seven, yeah. right. Go yep, ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to, well, I was going to say this. I was going to say, really, you want to take a step further, like back with well, a bigger problem with coaches leaving is they don't have long enough to build. So like, and the leash is, is super short. So let's just say you build and you're good by year three, you're good enough for an extension, but then you have two bad years. Like, yo, you might be out. Exactly. So like if the, if the institutions really wanted to prioritize the student athletes, they would give more security to the coaches, yeah. let them 
let them adjust on winning seasons, losing seasons, then they wouldn't have to go out and say, oh, we got to get rid of this kid because if he stays, we don't get somebody else and then we lose games and then I'm out. And you know what I mean? So I think that is, that's a good point. I like how we got there. I like yeah, how we yeah. got like there. So seven year deals. And then, and then I would even do a step further where it doesn't, it's not even on the AD. It comes from the conference. So if you finish, now we can pick top half, top four, top three, whatever, or you make yeah. it to your championship game, you automatically get another year. Not even, it's not on the AD. Yeah. It's not on the school. It's from the yeah. conference. So, you know, yeah. whatever it is, like, like that's, it's subjective, right? Yeah. It's like, all right, like, I don't know. I, yeah, no, fantasy. I mean, I, I think, I think the premise is there, right? Like they need more job security in order to do things the right way. Yeah. Cause then yeah. it would, everything else would kind of fold down. Like, well, I don't need to lie. I don't, I, you know, they may still cheat, but I don't need to. They're, cheat they're still going to, they're still going to cheat their ass off, but, but it won't be at such a crazy scale. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at right now, I mean, you look at even so Tony Bennett and I grew, I'm a huge Virginia fan. His first four years, they went to the tournament one time. They lost in the first round by the fifth year. Okay. Makes the sweet 16, but he was given that time to ramp up Jay Wright, even coming from taking Hofstra to back-to-back tournaments. Yeah. Well, they went NIT quarterfinals, NIT first round, NIT quarterfinals until his fourth year, they made the sweet 16. So obviously that, that's not, it's not the full seven years, but having that, at least that, that ramp up time to build it the way you want to build it. And I think if you look from the outside, those two coaches, especially with their fingerprints on actually building a program that they've created in their style and the way that they get their players to buy in, yeah. um, they've been allowed to do it. I think it would help in a lot of other situations too. I think some institutions are smarter than others too. And they know what they have with certain coaches, especially when they give, get them in the building, like, you know, like Virginia knew what they had with Tony Bennett. So they're going to give them a longer leash. Same thing with Villanova and Jay Wright. So, you know, I, I think that obviously helps. Not everybody's a, uh, you know, a big dumb dumb. Totally. No. And we, and we say all the time, Paul, I don't know how many times we've referenced of expectations at a school versus reality and where yeah. you are as a program and where you should what you should realistically aim for and, and what are those targets and not everyone's going to turn Baylor around like Scott drew to into a national championship program is not, right. it's not across the board, but um, to wrap things up, I know Paul came up with two hypotheticals outside of the college basketball world and he answers however you want, but say hypothetical, you've been appointed GM, either the Sixers or the Nets, you've got situations on Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving. What do you do in those situations um if, if you're if you're the if you're, not, you're the main guy not easy, man. not easy tee it up for me man uh i'm gonna forego talking about the nets i want to only do the sixers so literally i i talk about this all the time i wish that uh organization had the balls to make ben simmons come to practice make him participate like everybody else if he doesn't kick him out suspend him for a game he doesn't get paid and just keep doing it over and over again. Lock him out of the facility. Don't let him in. I don't know what you can and can't do with the players association, but I'm sure if he's acting like that, that's what they have to do. Force him to be there for the games, sit there while all the fans are around and just keep finding him. You know, that's the only way it's different. If you're respectful and asking for a trade, it's super, okay, so, super disrespectful. Okay. So I'll play catch 22. Like the Sixers did not handle this well prior to all of this. I'm not saying what just happened yesterday, but like 
you know, it, it okay. wasn't all on Ben in the beginning. I mean, they, they kind of botched this thing. Okay. Tell me how. They publicly said we're trading him, didn't want him. We're, we're like, hey, we're, we're searching for trades. Like, yep. kind of made it known, hey, man, we don't want you back here. And then it's like the season's here. We didn't get what we wanted for you. So, yeah, come and be a, a good teammate. So I'll push back a little. Okay. No, I like it. So, so number one, they gave him a crazy deal. Yeah. yeah. Hundreds, hundred and whatever it is, $80 million. So, number one, he's, he's got his money, Right. I like transparency. So if they're trying to trade him, yeah. dude, you know how many college coaches told me I, I stunk? I couldn't play at their level? Like, dude, deal with it, okay? I know it's hard, but you're a grown man. Deal with it. Number two, I think it's, it's like, you know, it, it doesn't look good that he goes to the playoffs making it whatever it is, $180 million, $200 million. He wasn't great offensively. He wasn't the reason they lost. My boy, Kevin Herter was, no, no, no. But, <laughs> but he wasn't the reason they lost, but he was a big part of it. He didn't play well. He didn't shoot from the foul line well. So your response to that is to say you want out, fine, then act like a baby, then get fined, then come back, act like even more of a baby. You're going to get fined again after this club gave you $180 million. To me, that's not how you act. That's, that's just me. No doubt. You know what I mean? Like to me, you show up for work because you got a contract, you signed it. Nobody forced you to sign it. And you let your agent figure out the best way to get you out of Philly. That's it. That's my bigger thing. Like, yeah, of course, Philly did some stuff that was like messed up. Like, you know, but you know, like you're a grown man. You're a professional. You're, you're a grown man. You're, you're supposed to be a professional, you know? And, and like, at some point, like, you can have all the money in the world. At some point, you're just embarrassing yourself. Dude, he's embarrassing himself and he's tarnishing his name. Like, I'm sure he's a good, like, I'm, I think he's probably a good person. You know, I'm, I'm sure he's fine and like fun to be around, whatever. But like, dude, like he needs to grow up. He needs to grow up. The phone in the, in the, the, phone in the that, yeah, that's that a move I, 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 I truly have never seen. Yo, listen, I was on the phone with somebody today. And I was telling them, this is funny. So when I was in Italy, uh, it was the only year I ever got released. I played horrible. Our organization was horrible. So I had to stay there for a month until my contract got resolved. Okay. And luckily it wasn't like a crazy amount of money. Um, and my organization weren't a bunch of scumbags. So it was, I showed up for practice. I practiced some days when they needed me to whatever. But there's stories in Italy, Greece, all these other places where like literally you get released, you still got to be around and you say, I want the rest of my contract. Well, there's no players union, right? So, so good luck trying to get it. So what the team will do is like, I've heard this on a number of occasions, like, okay, hey, Paul, practices at six tomorrow. I'll see you there. Okay. You leave. They tell the team, hey, practices at two. Don't fucking tell Paul that, that the practice is at six. You come late fines right just crazy stuff literally mm. crazy stuff so listen you don't have it that bad in the nba you got a hundred and whatever 80 million dollars like dude i wish you could do that stuff to him like like dude you don't know how good you have it so no, i don't yeah. know man at the end of the day totally you're never gonna at the end of the day like, for nba players ever you're never gonna no, you're never seriously. gonna do that yeah no. yeah exactly so 
you know, I, I'll be interested to see what happens though. I think obviously they got to get something in return, but I would just like, love it. I would go nuts if, you know, just one time they're like, no, you're staying here, my man. <laughs> and, yeah, and you don't out. play, you're getting fined. You know what I mean? And you play like crap, you're sitting and, you know, you got to figure it out like a big boy, you yeah. know? It's, it's definitely way, I mean, it's bad already that Embiid came yeah, out totally. and was like, you know, forget that dude, you know, like he does yeah. whatever he wants. It's like, oh God, like, okay, this, I mean, not that we thought this was going to work out. It had a 1% yeah. chance, but now it's like, all right, like, yeah. just, just yeah. get rid of him. Yeah. Um, well, listen, this was awesome, man. We really appreciate you coming on. Uh, we obviously know where to follow you, but for everyone listening, uh, where can everybody, uh, you know, follow you on social website, all that good stuff. Yeah. Instagram is at Steve Dags, uh, number zero. Twitter is at Dags, D-A-G-S, basketball. And then the website's DagsBasketball.com. So I appreciate you guys having me on. This is fun, man. It's, it's funny how fast 45 minutes goes. Real quick. I know. Yeah. This is good, man. But well, we appreciate it. And, uh, you know, best of luck with everything you got going on this year. Lately, I've been feeling like this is what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss and tell me what you're working for. Certain doors are closed, but now they opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a cup. Pulls, lust, rustles up next. And I got this. Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the cops is. Come on.